Welcome to the Cognitive Rampage. I'm Adam Lowry. Today we are powered by SWATMMA.com. That's my friends Jeff and Julian at SWAT MMA Extreme and Fitness in Winter Garden, Florida. From jiu-jitsu to personal training, kickboxing, Muay Thai, or just all-around fitness, you really need to check out my friends Jeff and Julian at SWATMMA.com. They will change your life. Today on the podcast is professional MMA fighter Julian Williams from SWAT MMA. He's a good friend of mine. He tells some crazy stories about uh, fighting over in Russia and et cetera, but you know what? I'll let Julian tell the story. I like coming in Mellow. I like Hype Mellow. I call it Smooth because my nickname is A Smooth, so I call it Smooth. Ah, so what I'm getting from the from the, the music that you're playing is, uh, that's a, that's, I was going to ask you, where did Jay Smooth come from? Jay Smooth come from, like, you know, like a... Like dope, chill melodies, but have that hype, hypeness to it. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. that's, that's that smoothness. Is that how you fight? Yeah, real smooth. Cause I can be real chill, but then come at you, you know, <clears throat> you know what I mean? So that's where the, the smooth comes from. Laid back, but laid back hypeness, I call it. You know what I mean? I like the laid back hypeness. I had a coach one time, um, when I was playing ball, tell me, I thought it was pretty neat. He goes, son, there's nothing scarier on the planet than a psycho man. Right. And I said, sure. And he goes, except a controlled psycho man. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing scarier, you know. And I thought, I think I agree. Yeah. You know? For sure, controlled anger is is, uh, is, is insane. To be able to control your anger and, and distribute it in different, like, spurts. Yeah, that's like, you know, those are the scary individuals, for sure. You know? It's always the quiet guy you don't want to fuck with, right? Yeah, in a sense, you know. But then you got you got the cocky, confident people that they know how good they are, and then they just it is what it is, you know. Who's the fighter that does that? Ronda Rousey. Uh, is the first person that comes to mind. Nick Diaz comes to my mind. Okay. Yeah. Nick for Diaz sure. hits me. I'm like, oh, man, talk shit. Some of the best yeah. of them. Yeah, Nick Diaz is, is one of those for sure, but he's he's. He's still like a one-dimensional type of guy. Mm. Ronda Rousey is is uh, so multi-dimensional, and she's so cocky, so confident. She oh, she irritates the shit on me when I um, see her here, but she's so good and so devastating that it's just she can do it. Ridiculous. Yeah. She can do it, right? Yeah. Now they just scheduled another fight with Ronda, right? Yeah, they did uh, with Holly Holm. I think you pronounce her name. Is this a joke or what? No, nah, Holly Holmes, uh, she's a world champion boxer. This is, is I this think. a Muay Thai fighter? She's a Muay Thai or a boxer. I, I don't, I'm not for sure. I thought one of them that she was going to fight is this hardcore Muay Thai. Oh, know. no, you're talking about a uh, cyborg. Well, it was that above her. That's out of her weight class, right? Cyborg fights in, for Invicta and she's, um, which is owned by, uh, Zufa. And she's, uh, yeah, she's a, um, world class striker. She's the one that, uh, took out Gina Carano's career. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Gina Carano was the first um, big female superstar for MMA. Beautiful girl, and uh, uh, Cyborg took her out. And so that's, that's a strong word. Take her out. She did. She took her out, man. Beat the crap, beat the shit out of her. You don't have to worry about the language here. Yeah, yeah. Right. Beat the shit out of her, man, and uh, you know took her out, sent her, sent her on to uh, a movie career. Well, I guess that may have worked out. Yeah. Good. Well, so give me the background on you, man. Get, take me from wherever you want to take me in some story. Like, where, where are you coming from? Where I mean, I love this move. 
So I, I'm I'm hearing some New York beats, some smoothness to you. You know, before Smooth was born, you know, what uh, what's the story on you, man? Um, I come. I mean, my background comes from um, you know, the Smooth comes from all the soul R&B uh, type of stuff that I grew up on when my dad was playing. You know what I mean? So all that type of music. That's where I get the Smooth from. And then um, you know. I just incorporate into what I do today. Now you told me in college you actually made music. Yeah, I made uh, you know, I did uh, I produced uh for R&B and hip hop, and then um, was a audio engineer, a ghetto audio engineer. <laughs> you mean like up? <laughs> oh no, way more ghetto, man. Like <laughs> not even on the same line. Now this is this is this is cool. This is dope as hell right here. But um, you know, like recording my like straight closet, you know. <laughs> but I was but the but the chill the cool thing was I was the only like one of the only uh students on campus that had Pro Tools and at the time this is like oh two, you know, two thousand two and Pro Tools was like the thing. It was. That was the shit. You know, so I had a Digi Double O one, I was like the only dude on campus that had it, like one of the only. So everybody's telling me all over. Even like people that didn't even go to school uh, was was coming to me like, Yo man, I heard you have Pro Tools you know, so it was cool back then. You know, I said charge. Where'd you go to school? Michigan State, yeah. Okay, Michigan State's where you did. Yeah. And you you were a track star up there, right? Yeah, I ran, uh, ran track for Michigan State for uh, five years. Um, Man, that was, that was cool, man. I, I still have dreams of, like, going back to um Michigan State and, uh, you know, running track. And uh, those are the best times for me right now. What made them so good? Just being free, man, before you had uh. Before you had, uh, you know, the reality checks. Before you had debt. Before you had kids. Before you had, uh, you know, wife. You know, all that stuff. That was, that was back in the day. We just lived free. You stay up to, uh, you know, two o'clock in the morning every night. Smoke, drink, fuck, wake up, and then, you know, go to school and do it again. That was the best time, man. I, I love how you threw go to school in there. <laughs> yeah, we would do that too. Uh, yeah. That was like, yeah, that was. I forgot about that part. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not for five years you did it, man. What were your uh, What were your events? What you do? Um, I four one hundred meter relay and um long jump and triple jump. Oh, yeah. yeah. So those, yeah, that was um. I won um, one year I placed uh, second in the Big Ten. Uh, so I was all run. I was a runner up for a Big Ten conference and long jump. And uh, you know. But track, track is one of the hardest sports that people don't know about. It's like, you know, you see the Olympics and stuff like that, but it is the toughest sport on your body. You know, I still have to this day, I'm, I'm recovering from injuries and knee injuries. And, uh, this is coming from an MMA, MMA fighter. Yeah, I've got injured more, way much more in track than I did in uh, MMA by far. Wow, no yeah. shit. Yeah. Because you, cause you think about, like, track, you're hitting, you're trying to hit, your fastest time possible, right? So it's always 100%, you know? So every time you go compete, you're trying to be 100%. You're trying to beat your best. So it's no um, 80%. With that comes, you know, a lot of injuries. Now, with MMA, you know, your technique can be superb. You can fight at 40% and beat the shit out of somebody if you're that much better than him. So. Based on technique. Yeah, exactly. You know, so, so I mean, there's some technique in running, obviously. Yeah, there's. I mean, yeah, people don't. People think there's not, but it's. I mean, 
you know, it takes years to master uh, sprint technique. The perfect technique, huh? Yeah, it takes years to master it. And even then, it, it's, it's, you only, you know, can get that master technique when you perform every once in a while, you know? It's like, it's like, um, I compare it to when, um, you fight and you land in that perfect punch. You can only land that perfect punch every uh, so often. Same thing with, uh, track and field. You only have that certain type of flow, certain type of rhythm and running every so often. You know, you practice it every day, but you only have it, you only perform it every once in a while, so. And why are the injuries? Is it, is it the training performance that's peak? Is it, or is it what the actual motion is calling on your body? Because a full-on sprint is essentially your right. Is it your entire yeah. body is on a flex, right? No, that's it. You're you're, you're sprinting 100. percent There's no, there's no, nothing but full out, full power, full speed, and your body, you know, either accepts it or it doesn't, and that's when people get injuries because. You know, it's how long can you perform at that level? Now, any athlete, no matter how high of an athlete you are, you're gonna fail the injury at, at some point, pushing by to that uh, full potential like that. So yeah, the, the sprinting I can I can see. I mean, I was never a fast guy, but you know, the running I guess when you're really redlining your body at that moment, and you know, say you're rolling, roll, you know, rolling's a lot of thinking. You're playing a lot of chess at the same time. And in a hundred yard or a hundred meter sprint, yeah, there's no chest. Nah, straight ball to the wall, and yeah, I get that. Now I see what you mean by saying that it's a hundred percent when you sprint versus yeah. the percentage. Because you know, when when you roll, you can take time off. You're thinking, you're plotting the next move. Yeah, and when you're twenty meters into a hundred, you don't get to play. There's no chest move. Nah, it's, it's a go. Yeah. So what what took you to Michigan State? I mean, I know track did, but why, yeah. why there? Why well, go there? I was, uh, I played basketball in high school, so I was, um, you know, I was, I was, uh, pretty decent in basketball in high school. I was second team all county and had a good, uh, you know, um, played two guard, averaged about 15 points a game. And, um, I was looked at Michigan State, man. Michigan State always had that squad, you know? Um, yeah. The, uh, the Flintstones is what, um, you know, I always looked up to uh-huh. um, when they won the national championship. So I don't know. I just I just wanted to go there, and then I got family. My 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 people are from Flint. My dad was from Flint, and uh, my grandparents are still in Flint. They've lived there a whole life. And you're from Flint? No, I'm from. Uh, I was born in Cincinnati, but my whole family's from Flint, and so I just say it'd be a good place to go. What brought what uh, what brought you to Florida? Florida, my um, so I grew up in Cincinnati. Um, my dad played for the Cincinnati Bengals. Hmm. Okay, so he played uh, 14 years for the Bengals and had a good career. Uh, started um, all 14 years. Um, he might not start his first year, but he started all uh, at least 13 years out of the 14. Defensive captain, and uh, when he was done with his career, we uh, we moved down to Florida. He started the Wildwater Sports which is still up and running today. It's one of the biggest uh, um, places to hold amateur events. They hold pro events, but one of the biggest places to hold amateur events in the country. And uh, and your, your dad is for those listening, just so they, they know. Yeah, um, my dad is Reg, Reginald Williams. Mm-hmm. So um, I got to meet him one time uh, when I was, it's funny you say the Water World Sports, one of the best sport memories of my entire short career, which it was into college. Mm-hmm. 
um, was at the Wide World Sports. They just opened it, and um, they did a call pick to a football um, camp out there, but in right. only kind of thing. Yeah. And I got to go out there, and we stayed out there for three days and slept there. And one of my roommates, his name is, uh, he goes by PJ or uh, Blackjack uh, around Orlando. He's a football player. He plays for Orlando Rage now. Okay. Uh, but I met him there. We were roommates there. And it was some of the best three days of my life out at the Wide World Sports that, you yeah. know, I sound like the typical guy, you know, reminiscent of the day, you know. But oh, yeah. when you said it, though, you know, from Michigan State, even college were some of my best memories, you know. Yeah. So I, I met your father out there once. It was brief, you know. But yeah. for me, I just want to play football, you know, meet the guys and hang. But yeah. uh, I'm, I'm glad you did build that. But So that's what brought you here to Florida. What high school did you go to? Yeah, that brought me to Florida. Went to West Orange High School. Of course you did. I'm just that guy. Everybody. Like, Fuck, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we went to fucking school together. It's Orange County, man. You know, know it. Put it out there for my boys out there. Hit squad. You know how we do West Orange County. You know, West Orange County is West Orange legend, man. So many different people, so many athletes, so many just overall culture from that school. You think like whatever high school went to in Florida, but man, so many uh cool type of people have come from that school, man. I would agree, man. I mean, I I loved our our, our football team for various reasons, man, but. We were never big, mm-hmm. which I loved, except my boy Juan. Now Juan was big as fuck, <laughs> you know. But and Chris Beckermeyer, my boy Chris Beck was always big too. But um, but we were never the big team at all. We were always underrated. But we were little pissed off, angry who didn't give a fuck. Mm-hmm. I mean, we and our team was mixed. We'd have the the country boys from Okoy, which was where I lived in Okoy, but I was born in Pine Hills. Right. So we had that that country strong. I don't give a shit, Okoy, mixed with kind of a, a Winter Garden, um, Pine Hills dish, too, because there were some boys that came oh, from yeah. Pine Hills, too. Oh, Pine Hills Winter Garden, yeah. Yeah, and when, it was great, because when we played Okoy Bulldogs, we would play the, the, the West Orange Wildcats, and it was always a rivalry. Mm-hmm. But we became teammates at West Orange. Yeah. You know, that's what made West Orange so good, I think. It was, it was a mix of those two squads, and, you know, despite all the things you see happening, you know, in the country of, with race and these things, you know, I can tell you that on that West Orange football team, even divided by what some would rock the rebel flag on our squad right. or all, I mean, this yeah. was, we come from that, you know? Rebel flags are waving in our face forever. Yeah, I mean, yeah, growing up around here, I mean, it's like, you know, I'm good friends with, I'm good friends with, you know, guys that sport their rebel flag on, on their arm and on their back, and it's nothing, you know what I mean? So, you know, I don't, I don't see it in the light as uh, some people see it. Yeah, I agree. And that team, when we fucking played, yeah. you know, when we played, none of this mattered when we hung as a team. You know, that sport brought us together. It, it really did, you know, and some of us hated each other, you know, and we played yeah. together. And I mean, some of, I mean, some of, uh, Okoy boys hated each other, but when they said hut, you know, and it was Kelvin Thomas to my right playing Sam linebacker and Andy Clark to my left playing Will. Mm-hmm. When we said hut, and I always had Big Juan right in front of me as Big uh-huh. and, 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 uh, Chris Beckermeyer too. But when we said hut, it didn't matter. You know, yeah. and we played in, I mean, is that what drew you in to, to the track? Was it the individual sport of it, or? Nah, I mean, I, it wasn't necessarily just the individual. I mean, I loved, uh, the, the camaraderie of, uh, a team sport. Nothing can replace that. You know. Well, fighting is a team sport, right? I mean, you go in the ring, but you have your teammates and you have your guys that, that help you. Yeah, I'm for sure. Around. That's your ass. Yeah, yeah. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> stretch. Well, it doesn't matter. Yeah, when that when that case is it's just it's just yeah, it's, it's totally different. But um, 
What led you there, man? So we, we, we've come, we've come from Cincinnati, we've come down to Florida, right. we hung out in West Orange, you know, we saw each other in school, yeah. and, and you're a fast motherfucker, it gets to Michigan, you know, uh, so, the ring, when, when did the octagon come in your life? Right. Well, the octagon is, uh, every, every promotion has a different uh, case, so the octagon is exclusive for the, uh, UFC. UFC, right, they trademark yeah. all this, so, so, but, I mean, no, nah, but, um, you know, every every case it could be circular. I think Bellator circular. I don't know. I yeah. forget, man. But uh, either way, what brought you to the case? Does that matter? Yeah, I mean, it, it was so many factors, man. I mean, I can recall um, when I was uh, you know, I was I was running track. I was in college. And I was home for a uh, summer. Yeah. And uh, my brother's real 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 little, man. And uh, you know, my brother, my youngest brother, seems younger than me. And uh. I was picking on him, you know, just being an older brother, just picking on him. And my middle brother was only a year younger than me. Poor guy, I'm a younger brother. <laughs> Keep going. Uh, my middle brother, he was standing up for, uh, you know, our youngest brother, which was cool, you know. And uh, I wasn't having it, man. And uh, me and my middle brother got into it. How many brothers you got? I got two brothers. Okay. And, um, you know, we started tussling and stuff like that. And, you know, he had been training in grappling for uh, a little bit, but I didn't think, I thought it was pretty gay, to be honest. <laughs> you know what I mean? I thought it was pretty gay. So, we're getting into it, whatever, and he's, uh, and he's threatening me like, yo, man, you know, I can, I can take your, I can, I can take your life when I want to. It's my little brother, like, saying this, I'm like, alright, man, whatever. Yeah, I'm, not gonna I'm, I'm, you know, I'm still, I'm, I'm like 21, I'm like, yeah, whatever, you can't do nothing to me. So we, we start tussling and um he gets me in a guillotine and this is my first time being choked by a guillotine. He 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 holds it and it's the worst feeling, like I feel like I'm about to die, like literally like about to die like any second and um you know, he's holding it like, see I told you man I can take your life when I want you to and when he let go, like I couldn't do nothing. You know? And um I was like, alright, man, this is for real. I gotta, I gotta set my game. I gotta, I gotta try. I gotta see what this is about. Um, that and the combination of other people I've just met, you know, I was uh, roommates with, um, Rashad Evans at, at Michigan State. We was roommates for one year. And, uh, you know, he went on to be the, um, the light heavyweight champion for the UFC. Oh, yeah, he did. So just being motivated to see him and my brother choking me the fuck out, uh, I think those two combinations, uh, let me just start training, man. And, uh, you know, I, I think I can take up any sport. And I was a pretty good athlete, so I think I, any sport I would take up really quick, so. Yeah, so uh, track, basketball, uh, yeah. fighting. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and, and not to mention just played. I mean, you go Big Ten conference shooter or, uh, sprinter and now, and jumper and, uh, point score in high school. I mean, that's, yeah, I think yeah, I would agree. Yeah, luckily, when I was in college, luckily I was, um, I was coached by, man, some good coaches. I was blessed. I learned so much from uh, these guys, you know. Who, had, uh, who was it? I had um, Coach Daryl Gadsden, who was one of the best 400-meter runners in college. Um, coach uh, had a, a Olympic-trained uh, coach, uh, Randy Hunton. He was um, he actually coached Mike Powell, who was a world record holder in the long jump. What's and, the, what uh, is the world record? Man, it's like close to 30 feet, 29. Are you fucking kidding me? 29.8, I think. Thirty fucking feet. Yeah, it's close to it. It's not there yet, but it's close to it. Yeah, it's been it's been held for a while. That is superhuman shit. Nah, if you if you measure it out, like you would be like, 
shocked how far he is. I'm, I'm looking at 32. We're talking three basketball goals. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Wow. What's the farthest you jumped? I jumped right under uh, 26 feet. It was uh, 25, 8. That's the farthest I jumped. 26 feet. Yeah. Hell, that's four feet from me going, well, it's three basketball goals. That's yeah. fucking jumping. Yeah, but jumping like, you know, one foot is crazy. Like, or, or even six inches, a couple of centimeters is. Yeah, that's the difference between first and second place is a couple of centimeters. So, how much does that relate to fighting? Um, a couple of centimeters is from you getting your ass knocked out. So, <laughs> you know, yeah, pair, pair the punch. Um, you know, you pair your punch. Pop, pop. The jab is is close to your chin, or the hook close to your chin. You block it. That's 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 a knockout right there. Game of inches. Yeah, man. Well, <laughs> for sure it is. <laughs> and not to mention when you're rolling, right? I mean, a little weight this way, a little pull that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You get on bar, you pull your elbow out an inch, you're good, you're safe. You, you uh, leave your arm bar out an uh, inch too close, and there goes your arm. Who did you start training with first? What was your first, uh, actually, I really want to know when it was, because look, and in some of my books and stuff, right, I talk about, you know, we talk about toiling over decisions, yeah. but I like to talk about the actual moment you make the decision. When you actually go, fuck it, right? Or you go, yes, I'm doing it. Do you know that day? Do you know the day you finally just said, yeah, I'm doing it? I mean, I remember after college, I tried to compete on a professional level of track and field. And um, What's that like? I'm sorry, dude, I'm all over the fucking place. Huh? <laughs> so, I want to know all this shit. I'm sharing the same story, man. Don't pay attention cool. to me. I mean, yeah. I mean, once you train with guys that, like, that do this for a living, you know, that is that that compete on a world-class level, you know, it puts you in perspective where you are. And, um, you know, I was training with those guys. I was training with a silver medalist in uh, the long jump. I was training with a, a silver medalist in the hurdles. I was being coached by um, an uh, Olympic track coach and Brooks Johnson, the beast. Um, and so when you see those guys' work ethics and you, it make you question what kind of athlete you really are, <laughs> you know? And then you roommate with a shot at <laughs> Yeah. Dude, you have been blessed to be around, like, some of the best coaches and athletes that you could, I mean, wow. I've been around some, I've been around a lot of uh, good athletes, man. That's why I got a good work ethic, I think, you know what I mean? I do, uh, you know, I do everything from ground up. I train my, you know, I train myself in a lot of things, so, um, but, um, yeah, so I, I realized I couldn't, I realized it wasn't for me, you know what I mean? I couldn't, uh. Those guys are way beyond my control in uh in that field. So I started training my uh one of my boys took me up to a local uh MMA gym. What was uh, where I don't even remember the name, it was so old fucking hood, man. It was so it was in uh it was in a koi, like in the in the hood. For those of you that don't know, <laughs> he said Okoy, okay? That's a little place. That we're representing here, because look, we have dude, we have listeners in New Zealand, China, yeah. Japan, they're everywhere listening to the show. So, Okoye, Florida. O C O E E, man. That shit is, not nah, just awesome now, but back when I started, it was nothing. Where was that gym? So, that's where he took you, right? Yeah. It was on, um, it was there, man. It was like, the gym was like, man, it was not even that big, man. It was maybe twice the size of the room we're in now. And there's some hardcore dudes in there, man. Just, you know, there was no, uh, wall. There was no, um, pads in the walls. You know, we was grabbing, slamming into glass. And, uh, I don't know. It was just so fun, man. And I fell in love with it then. 
you know, and then and the MMA was still early then, so it wasn't big. You know, there's only a few MMA gyms in Orlando. What year are we talking? We talking '06. Okay, so you know, it doesn't seem too far ago. Yeah, but the, the sport has exploded so much that um, back then it was still it was still baby. There might have been two or three MMA gyms in Orlando. Now there's there's twelve or fifteen now. You know, so and uh, now it's hooked, man. You know, from then. So, is there is there a day that you remember either? Like you gave me the guillotine with your brother. Was there a guillotine scene in this gym? <laughs> no, I didn't even know. I didn't even learn a guillotine till um till a while. You know, I don't remember when I learned it. So you're just wrestling here in the gym, wrestling, boxing. Oh yeah, I'm just I'm just I'm just trying to remember moves I watched uh, from watching uh Randy Couture and then Chuck Liddell go at it, and and trying to do moves on, on my boys and stuff like that. You know. Who's your fighter? Who'd you like, man? Man, you know, um, when I first got into it, um, my favorite fighter, which is weird, is Vandalin Silva. That was my animal. Yeah, he was my favorite um, when I first got into it because I started watching Pride, and he was my favorite. He was so vicious, and he just looked like, man, he just looked apart. You know, I was like, man, this dude is nasty. He would roll his uh, wrists. And I was like, this dude was scary. And then, <laughs> you know? But then when I got more into MMA, yeah. like now, I realized, you know, I mean, no offense to Randy, but I realized how not good he was <laughs> on the um, technicality scale. You know, he was he was just like a slugger. No technique. He was just vicious. Yeah. But when I look at him now, I'm like, he's... he's you know, now that you learn. Yeah, I mean, he has, he's pretty garbage, actually, now when I watch him now. But, uh, on on techniques, so who's the technique wizard you watch? The technique wizard right now, man, this is that's the thing. There's so many guys that are, that are good. Um, you know, I mean, the guy I watch the most is Demetrius Johnson. Um, from front from front to back, is the best technical fighter on the planet. Wow. But he's just kind of boring though because he's small and small guys don't knock each other out. So he he don't get that uh that recognition that other fighters get. But uh, technique for technique, he's the best by far, pound for pound. And you're black belt jujitsu, right? Yep. Um, just got my black belt. What else do you, I know you're Muay Thai, what's your, what, what's your, what's your resume for a second? Other than Michigan State, long jumping, and all the other fucking section that qualifies you to do this, what else, uh, are you, what's stapled to the resume? Hmm. Nothing, man. I mean, I'm a black belt, I just got my black belt under, uh, Paul Regan, who's another black belt under, uh, Ricardo Laborio, one of the best rappers of all time. Um, and other than that, man, I mean, just pretty much, um, you know, I just study, I study film, then just like, you know, how you study what you love. Mm. And so that's how I learn quick. And, study. Uh, mm-hmm. Study a lot of film, watch a lot of wrestling, uh, learn wrestling from, uh, people, and, uh, I take, I'm, I'm like a, uh, a doppelganger, you know? So if, if, if I'm training with somebody, even if they're a white belt, even if they're, um, don't even know any history. They come from the streets, man. Be surprised how many stuff you learn from just street fighters. You know, street fighters come to my gym and they'll do some stupid shit. You know, like some shit that doesn't even make sense in the, in the world of uh, you know technique, but it works. You know, you, you would, know uh, Eddie Bravo. Yeah, Eddie Bravo uh, yeah. was talking about. Uh, he does this class. Uh, what's his uh, the name of his? I can't. Oh, system. Tenth Planet? That's it, Tenth yeah, Planet. Planet. And he was talking about he had brought in these break dancers mm-hmm. to come in. And he said he'd never seen anybody excel faster in jiu-jitsu, in jiu-jitsu than break dancers. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, I believe that. I mean, that's the flexibility. First of all, for breakdancers is ridiculous, and the athletic ability. So you put that in jitsu, I can see them easily excelling easily. Yeah, I think he said he had like four brothers come in. And he said they were doing things where he was like, what is that? Yeah. And, you know, Bravo is kind of an experimenter. You know, he's always yeah. trying to come up with his own shit. Yeah, his style is crazy. Man. <laughs> <laughs> he's fucking crazy. Yeah, I can't I, I can't study his style because I'm not flexible enough to do it. So, But I do study it just in case people will do it to me. But I thought it was fascinating. And the more I thought about it, like you, you know, he was just going off on how amazed he was, how these great dancers could put themselves in positions yeah. that he was like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. You know, and all that kind of goes together. Yeah, I mean, anytime after you take, uh, I mean, there's, there's there's certain athletes in the UFC that um, they're professional football players. They maybe only been training, um, you know, uh, MMA for a few years, but they're in the UFC. Personal fucking badass Walker. <laughs> well, yeah, he's a freak. He's fifty some years old and and fought professionally. I mean, like, he's a, what the fuck? yeah, he's a freak of, of nature. <laughs> yeah. Just in general, just I mean. Uh, I know, you know, Matt Mitchell and Brendan Schwab are two names that come to mind. And, you know, they played professional football in the UFC. I mean, you know, any, it's just, I mean, it's like a sport. I ain't get anything else. So if you're a good athlete, you can pick it up, you know. You can pick it up. So. I, I know. I say that. How much, how much of it is athletic ability versus how much of it is mental dedication and conquering a mental fear, too? The mental mastery of the game versus the athletic versus the uh, the, the mastery itself mentally. For pure competition purposes, like the actual fight, I'd say that um, the mental aspect of it is is man, I walk. It sucks to say, it, but it's eighty percent, you know, or uh, somewhere around there. So eighty on the mental part of fighting. Yeah, man, because you get it's it's you get so nervous, man. You you think about all the mistakes that can happen in in the mental game. If you can cloud all those things and just go in and fight like you in practice, um, you know, you're you're going to be way ahead of the game. And I only know a couple fighters that can do that. You know, me, I'm not one of them. I, I still haven't fought in a fight like I have in practice. And um, and so that's what's, that's gonna, that's, that has been my downfall and probably will always be my downfall. But some guys I know, they just, it's like fun to them. And they can get in there and not have any, um, you know, m- negative mental mental stuff happening. It's, it's crazy, man. It's just you can help you with that. Yeah, yeah. I need I need help with that. I can't help you with that. Right. Right. First off, I would tell you to stop saying they'll always fuck with you because it ain't gonna always fuck with you. Yeah. First off, you motherfucking Junior Williams. That shit ain't always gonna fuck with you. Now I would want to know though who. I've also heard other. I've heard people also say that the fear is good. That the fear actually can make you focus harder or something or yeah I've, I've heard people say that and some people say that if they're not if they don't have the jitters they don't have the butterflies and they're not taking it serious but you know I'm 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 biased with that you know tell me more I think I, I think you can just if you can just you know you, it's something you do every day you know if you if, and if you can um Step in the actual competition like you step on the mat in a practice setting and be completely calm and have no jitters and just go out there and just do what you do on a daily basis, then I think that's what keeps the elite elite, in my opinion. And uh, So the actual, you would say that the actual possession of fear is what keeps you from being elite? In, in my personal experience, because 
it, it's slow, like the adrenaline dump and, and the fear and those butterflies and the nervousness, all those, uh, those mental setbacks, it, it prevents you from, you know, excelling, uh, as you need to, you know? Like, you know, you get adrenaline dump, you get tired, uh, so quick, or you, your muscle, you lose your, your fat twist muscles and stuff like that, so, you know, I think, I think, you know, I think the fear and the butterfly, I think that, that, that hurts you in aspect, but, you know, that's just my personal experience. So, do you think that's why someone like uh, Muhammad Ali was so successful? Yeah, I mean, we don't, we didn't step in, in into, we, we can't step in his mind and see how he was, but sure. he definitely was, man, he was having fun out there. He was always just so loose and, and, and just, it was like routine for him. And definitely that's why he was so successful. And he lost, you know, but I mean, you know, it was also in the golden age of uh, boxing win. Yeah, but yeah. even though he lost, he still known as the greatest. Yeah. yeah. True. That's true. And, and I love how you reference the golden age of boxing. And I'm such a huge fan. I wasn't alive um, in his early days sure. uh, at all. But, you know, you and I are pretty much the same age. And you're right. I think you mentioned that golden era of boxing. I still watch boxing today, you yeah. know, but... There was a time when it was Tyson, Holyfield, and even you can go farther back before that. But there was that golden age. You're right when there was the big heavyweights, and even um, you can go back to Roberto Duran. You know, in his time, even the lighter weights. But oh yeah, some of my favorite boxers are uh, you know um, Robert Howell, Tommy Hitman, Hearns, Sugar Ray Leonard. Hearns had a shot, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Hearns jab, man. I still study his jab, but um. Yeah, that age was different, you know. There's, there's still good boxing today, but it's just not the same. You know? So, do you think MMA taken away from the hype that boxing was? It has, but boxing is its own sport. You know I mean, I, like you can't really agree. Like when I first started, I, I was like, I right, compared to the boxing, but um, it's two different sports, very mm-hmm. completely. Um, and even the way you, you know. When I spar box, just complete boxing, everything's different. And when I spar MMA, it is totally different. So, um, I think boxing has a chance, you know. If Mayweather and Pacquiao would have fought when they were supposed to fight, boom. In a different fucking ball game. Now, I no. enjoyed the fight, did you? No, I, I did not. No? At all. No. I thought it was a pretty, for a boxing match, I thought, you know, it, 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 I, it, he outboxed them for sure. I didn't enjoy it because it was May Pacquiao didn't, Exploding and he wasn't him. I'll give you that. He he showed signs where he exploded and was like pop pop pop, but and then he just stopped, right? Yeah, I so saw some of that. Maybe it was because of his shoulder, but or whatever. But you know, oh, no, he's going through some shit for that now. Isn't yeah, it? like somebody suing or some shit because of a shoulder injury and the bets or something. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, a lot of people, yeah, they bet and people left put their livelihood in that fight. You know, when do you think they should have fought? A year or two earlier, you know. Yeah, right. Pacquiao put some years on him. I mean, they both had years on him. But yeah, the, uh, you know, the fight before he got knocked out by, um, you know, Marquez. That would have been the time of the fight. Now, is, is that so now? Once you, I heard once you, you know, your lights have gone out once or twice, the idea of that happening easier increases. Yeah. I mean, once you, once you get knocked out, once it definitely, you know, your chin only has a certain. They say your chin only has a certain lifespan, and uh, so every time you get tapped, you know, in practice, you're sparring hard in practice. Every time you get rocked, every time you get, you know, a flash knockout, your chin becomes less and less. Uh, you know, it, it loses strength. 
And so, yeah, I believe every time you get knocked out, it's going to become less and less. Um, and that's what makes, you know, that's what makes you a tougher fighter. If you, if you have no chin, then you're going to be more cautious. You're not going to throw the extra loop and hook. You're not going to throw the extra hard right hand and, and, and things like that, you know. I have teammates um, that I know that have gotten knocked out multiple times, and every time their their chin is more suspect. And then when I watch them fight, I'm like, oh, shit, man, I hope you don't get tapped because I know his chin is suspect and get knocked out. So, you know. Yeah, I watched that the whole time. And, uh, so, yeah. what's your, how long have you been fighting? How many years? I made my uh, pro debut in 09, and I fought a couple unsanctioned fights before that in 08, 07. Um. Can I put it out there? Why the fuck are people ducking you? Why have they been ducking you so long? <laughs> Man, I, I should have like you know my uh, my pro record is um six and one unsanctioned eight and one, um and I should have had a lot more fights, man. But um because of the hassle, like you know, I try to get good fights and um you know I don't get them. You know, a lot of um you know I get why people duck. It's just no it's no uh point of fighting a tough fight when you're not getting paid nothing and there's no, uh, mm. you know, there's no recognition for the fight, you know. So, so why, get, why risk the chin then, right? Yeah, you only right. got so many. Why am I going to get in the ring with Julian for a hundred fucking dollars and, yeah. and use one of my nine lives? Exactly. I mean, let me tell why I turned down fights. I'm not going to lie. Like, you know, I've turned down uh, hard fights because, you know, maybe getting paid 800 bucks to fight a guy that was, you know, at my level better, and I'm like, for what, you know? Um, so sure. now if it was the, uh, the UFC con, and they're like, hey, we're gonna pay, you know, 20 grand to fight this guy, hell yeah, I'm doing it, especially on that big, on that big, uh, that big scale. If you could fight anybody in the UFC right now, who would you take on? Man. Uh, style matchup wise, I mean, it's, there's, there's so many guys. I would actually like, a good style for me, a good, uh, Popular fighter would be good stuff for me. I think would be like a Carlos Condit. Ooh. Because, uh, you know, he has good jitsu off his back, but he's... His, you think he can keep up with you? <laughs> his takedown defense is suspect. So, you uh -huh. know, but his striking is incredible. His jitsu off his back is good. But he's like a top five guy that I think would be a good matchup for me. Other than that, all the welterweights are like top 20, like insanely good fighters. Like, it's like the highest weight class, you know, yeah. so... So, what weight class are you in? Well, to weight. Okay. Yeah. Now, I'm, I fucking hate to feel like I'm biting off what Rogan said, but I, I happen to be a listener of Rogan, so I yeah. can't help what's in my fucking head. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I, I'm a fucking listener, so what the fuck? But he was just talking. He had a guy on. Uh, I'm going to feel bad if I don't say the guy's name. And it was his recent show with his wife in my fucking head. Yeah. Um, he had, not Jeff Nowitzki, uh, Ethan Nadelman, I think is who it was. Um but they were, anyway, they were, it could have been the other guys. But they were talking about the, yeah, it was Jake. Jake, the guy they brought in to do the drug testing stuff to really put a, a squeeze on. But yeah. he was, you know, Joe was talking about there's this huge separation in, in weight class. And, uh, yeah, it was Jeff. Jeff Mazitsky. Mm -hmm. uh, he's the guy that uncovered, um, uh, the bicyclist guy. Jesus. Armstrong. Armstrong. Lance yeah. Armstrong. Uh, but anyway, they were saying how there's this jump in weight class, you know, yeah. so once it's over 205, it's 260. Yeah. You know, and even the smaller weight, where it's 175, I think, was it 175, 185, what is it? Uh, 170 to, um, yeah, to 184, 185. 15 pounds that he was saying is a big deal. Oh, yeah, huge, yeah, yeah. 
And uh, you said welterweight, that puts you, um, what, 175? Yeah, 170, yeah. Yeah, 170, I keep saying 5. Yeah. Now, that's boxing, that's why. Yeah, is that why I keep yeah. going to it? Yeah. I'm like, why do I want to say 175 welterweight all the time? Yeah. All right. Thank you for not making me sound stupid. Um, <laughs> you've been doing that the whole show anyway. But, so you fight it at the 170 mark. Where are you on, like, the, the put weight on, you know, take weight off thing? I mean, right now I'm probably, like, 192. Oh, shit. But um, I just came back from New York, so I'm a little, you know, uh, a little heavy right now. But, I mean, it's, it's most guys in weight class probably walk around 190, between 190, 195. The smaller guys walk around 185, and they'll cut that weight. To 170. And now yeah. what do you think, dude? They've cut out IVs now. You can't IV hydrate. That's why. That's why in the off season when you don't have a fight, you can't be out drinking and partying all the time and eating uh, fucking five guys hamburgers uh, every weekend because um, you know. Even though I will say that's a good fucking hamburger. My daughter is in love with five guys, dude. You know what I'm saying? If she gets, if she wins something, gets something, it's like five guys. I have to go to five guys right now. Yeah. I guess that's her thing. I don't know. I'm sorry. I've been, I've been smashing Burger Fire in that one spot. That one spot's a local, uh, chain here, man. Oof. The one spot? Man, that Where's one. Where's it spot. at? That is on McGuire. In a, it's in a Koi in McGuire. They put a, uh, a beef brisket on, uh, on that burger. Ooh. Yeah. That boy is ridiculous, man. The one spot. That one spot, yeah, yeah, that, that's just ridiculous. Oh. Yeah, burger fight's pretty good. How the fuck did we get on burger? <laughs> what the fuck are we talking about? Because, uh, you know, we're waiting off season, yeah, yeah. So it's true then, Joe was right. I mean, if, if you're really 190, which is kind of where I normally walk around when I'm not frivolously typing my books at night. Yeah. You know, that, and I, I can kind of cut weight. If I wanted to drop to 170, I could easily do that in a few days, you know. So now without the IVs, now without being able to rehydrate, I mean, this, I mean, this is either going to get dangerous or nothing. Guys don't smarten up, you know. Um, should they add more weight classes? I mean, shouldn't they throw in? I mean, you got 205. Shouldn't they throw in like a 220? And I, I think, I think, no, I think the weight class is good. I think that's what, what what kills me in boxing is that they have too many weight classes. That's what they were saying. Every you know, every six pounds, every five pounds is a weight class. But um, in MMA, I like the way it is. And you still have guys that shoot up, you know, a weight class, and then you guys shoot down a weight class. So it's not All right now. You're saying shoot up a weight class. That's the choice of the words there. No. Are they shooting up a weight class? Like, steroid up a weight class? Not anymore in the UFC, and not that I know of, but, uh. Yeah, that's not happening anymore. They're gonna lock that shit down. They're pretty strict with that, which is crazy because no other organization, you know, tests for it. I mean, I've not been testing at one time. I couldn't be shooting everything (laughs) left, left field, and then, and got away with it, but, um. Yeah. Right. And, and you have seen now, and, and, and you don't, you're out of that, and I know you're a natural trainer now. Yeah. You know, those are your younger fights that you were talking about, right? No, oh, yeah. Um, I mean, I've never, I've been, I've been, uh, natural my whole career. Okay, alright, I misheard there, right? Did yeah. I hear something wrong? I did, I'm mad. <laughs> I, I, no, I've been natural my whole career. I'm, I'm, no, I was saying that. And you could have. Yeah. yeah. I could have. That's what I missed. You could have. They don't. Yeah, they don't, they don't test on the lower surface. So how do you feel about that, bro? That you may walk into a ring with another 170 yeah. guy who is normally, you know, 190 like you, so he's a bigger dude, yeah. and IVs himself, regenerate, and he's jacked on fucking everything under the sun. Yeah, I mean, it, it, 
Actually, I, I like the the disadvantage because it tests me. You know what I mean? It shows. I'm being smart, boy. Man, from West Orange County, dude. No, sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry, man. No, I like I like the fact that these guys, these dudes that that gotta um, you know, use use enhancements. You know what I mean? When I'm when I'm just using my genetics, I like that. When I was in um, you know, I fought in Russia, and uh, there was no commission back there when we was wrapping our hands. We was back. Um, I was in Orenburg, fucking Russia, man, in the middle of nowhere. That's some real rocky shit. Yeah, and then in You're like, on some rocky four shit. Did you look <laughs> up logs and shit? Were you in a barn too? I knew nothing, man. I was losing my fucking mind. I was hallucinating the whole fucking time. That's what I was doing. What? Take yeah. me there. What the fuck? No, I mean, I went, um, you know, my first time, I picked, the, the first time I get out the country was for me to take a fight in, uh, Russia, so. I get there and the time changed, uh, me not sleeping from the flight and, you know, everything like that. I, I never slept. You know, I was cutting weight. You know, I had cut, uh, 15 pounds in two days. Brutal. Yeah, so I was hallucinating, man. I was seeing, like, fucking demons and fucking shit all everywhere, man. It was crazy. Anyways, but, um, so, in Russia, they don't have, like, no commission. So I'm back, you know, I'm back in the locker room with a man, JT, and like, we like, okay, what's going on? Like, people just, fighters wrapping their own hands, um, nobody's watching what we're doing, you could have put anything in your wraps, um, you know, and it's like no, no type of structure, but yet, some of the best fighters in Europe are on the same stage, and, um, you know, we, we, I really know what's going on, so we're like, fuck it, man, just wrap, you know, wrap my hands, man, let's go, and then, uh, you know, an hour later, they call me to go fight, and I'm like, what the fuck, I don't even know what's going on, um, I'm in, like, some locker room, the locker room is, like, you know, 15 by 15 feet, and you got, like, eight fighters in there, it's all closed, uh, claustrophobic and shit, and, um, all of a sudden, I go out, and into the crowd, and it's, like, fucking 10,000 people in the fucking stands out of nowhere, you know, it's weird. It's like it was in a um, multi-sport unit, right? And then you, they don't. When you take you in, um, you don't know where you are. So they just, they just, they walk you in the place. They just throw you in the locker room. Like, all right, it's a we fucking do. gladiator. <laughs> it, you know what? It really is. Yeah. And then they, they, you don't know what's going on. For me, I didn't. It's my first time. And then they call you up. You go out there, man. You go in the crowd. Oh, fucking dude, it's crazy, man. It was like, you know. Hundred, it was crazy. Man. They start yelling, "Kum, hey, kum." No, was that from Bloodsport? <laughs> yeah, oh, that's my shit, man. <laughs> nah, yeah, and then that that was um. So you out there, man? It was so you know. I was the whole thing is is surreal. I was hallucinating the whole time. You know, you just go off uh, natural body instincts. But um, you know, I'll be if I ever go back, I'll be praying next time. But you know, it's it it was it was weird, man. You know, dude, you can't stop now. My jaw's on the goddamn table right now. I'm looking at you like, wait, keep going. Oh, no. I'm sitting in the locker room, 10 by 2. My buddy's wrapping my hands. It's the first time I've left the country, and fucking the Kunte is out front waiting on me. What the fuck, man? Now what? I Okay, I go out and, um, you know, they come get me. Are you not in the day? Are you not in the Now, you go out, and it's pretty professional. You know, when you go out to the initial setup, it's professional, but I... Again, I still haven't seen the crowd or the ring or anything, and I haven't even seen my opponent. I've seen my weigh-ins, but I haven't seen him weigh-in. You go out there, and um, 
and the cameras just on you, and then, you know, they're waiting, and you're waiting. And finally, you go out there to open it up, boom, lights, you know, uh bunch of Russian motherfuckers that I never met in my life, you know what I mean? And um, and you got Fedor on the sideline, Fedor Milenko, who's one of the best uh heavyweights of all time. Uh-huh. And uh, I go out there, and I'm fighting um one of the... um. The am the national amateur European champion, uh, for MMA. He was like three and zero or something like that. But he was uh, he won the amateur national championship all out of all of Europe. Cause the Russian motherfuckers are bad. Oh no, nah, I mean they're a whole different. They they take they taking over uh, MMA right now. Yeah, yeah. Eastern yeah. European. Yeah, they're they gonna take it over. You know what I mean? So, so go ahead. I'm I'm walking. Well, the thing is, I, I don't even remember the fight because every like I said, it was surreal and I was like the whole thing was weird. So, uh, I know that I gassed out, but he gassed out even worse, you know, from the film. And uh, um, you know, I I got to stop it by TKO. But uh, yeah. The thing is, you, you know, they don't, you know, they I could have been he could have put anything in his gloves. You know, he could have took any drugs. He could have took done anything. Um, shit, he could have done a John Jones and, and fucking took a line of cocaine before he went out there, and there's no consequence or commission to stop over there, you know. So, and that goes to, uh, back to the steroid use, you know, so. And he TKO'd. He went. Yeah. TKO'd. You beat all of those titles you just said earlier. Yeah, but he was, um, he was a good wrestler. I actually learned a lot from him after, uh. Who, who's him? Who was it? Do you remember? No, I don't remember. Abdul Abdulov is the last thing, but I don't remember his first name. But what a wild experience, man! Yeah, it was cool, man. My boy, uh, who I went out there with, man, he was having a good old time, man. <laughs> Let's not put him out there. <laughs> Let's not put him out there. I can um, only imagine him in Eastern Europe. No, All right, I'll just I'm start not, there. I'm not. They, you know, it was weird though over in uh, Russia, man, because they don't know you, you know, because there's not too many minorities over there, so. You know, they look at you like crazy. Like, everywhere we went, we, we was just looked at like. Never seen a black yeah. girl? But when they know you, they show you hell love. You know what I mean? Yeah? Yeah. When they know you, they show you like, ah, love. It's insane. You know what I mean? They treat you like a superstar, for sure. That was the cool part about that. How, what a fucking wild story, Steve. And so, how old were you? This was... Uh, 2013, so it's not too long ago. Not too long ago, my man was fighting in the Kumite in Russia next to Vidor. <laughs> yeah. Yo, Roy Jones out there, too. I forgot about that. Oh, man, he was a hell of a boxer, wasn't he? Yeah. Uh, he, he was, he gets underrated now for some guys that come, but I'm... He I, is, but you know, nah, but he's the crazy thing. He's like 42 or 43, he's still fighting. Yeah. He, yeah, he still, he did not uh, die out uh, a couple months ago. What a beast, man. But he, he was out there, and he, you know, he, they flew him out there to do a, a concert. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Okay. Yeah, Roy Jones, they do him out there to do a concert. Because, um, you know, he had a little uh, right. mild rap career. Uh, yeah. And so they did. About as long as mine was in yeah. the studio. <laughs> <laughs> I was freestyling earlier, for those of you listening. Oh, yeah, that was, that was, that was tough. Yeah, it wasn't bad, was it? No, it was pretty dope, yeah. Yeah, okay. Freestyle, uh, the art of freestyle is one of the hardest arts to to do, man. It's the flow state, man. Yeah, it's it's finding that flow state. And look, since we rolled, yeah, I haven't been able to forgive myself. Why? One, you owe me another one. Okay, right? 
Um, for one, I went in with this brute strength idea. Okay. That was not that was not working. It don't work it, man. at all. At it, all, it works if a guy's at the same level as you. Not there. Yeah. So, for one, I'm more of a chess player anyway. But yeah. I just wasn't there. No, yeah. but <laughs> well, how the fuck did I get there? Please <laughs> help me out, man. That's why you're here. You bring me back to my ADHD. <laughs> I got tangential. You went to the freestyle thing. You're flowing. Both days. So thank you. See what yeah. the fuck. <laughs> and it makes sense though because I mean, grappling is in a sense is, is a uh, a beautiful flow. Yeah. So you can relate it to hip hop and freestyle, which is a lost art form. Thank uh, you. You know the art of freestyle. Thank you. No one does it anymore. No, no one says real poetry or the art. Don't get me started. I'm like, I reel myself in. Dude. No, I mean, but oh, I wanted to compare it to to actually rolling like that. It's yeah, it is finding it is. that flow state in your no, mind. No, it is. It is. It is for sure like that. I mean, I'm, I love the art of freestyle. I mean, I, you know, I grew up on a lot of dope old school battle rap. You know what I mean? So, I mean, it's how's that flow state coming when you're rolling with somebody? Let's just say, let's not take it in the in, in competition, but when you're learning, when you're playing, I was an avid chess player for a long time. Okay. Right. So I was in my mind begin have begun to compare it to that. Yeah. But in a flow state way. So like, if you can imagine. Speed chess and a freestyle flow state. Yeah, that's how I've been metaphorically seeing what it must be like in your mind when someone of your level, you know, is rolling with somebody of, of your level, and what's going on in your mind. Yeah, I mean, that's 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 how you can look at it. It's it's strictly just, you know, off the top of the head, whatever your movements are, your movements, your, your opponent's movements are their movements, and you you correlate it with them. I mean, you know, just like you freestyling off the top of the head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can see that, man. And I, that, that's what fascinates me about, you know, most of the sports to begin with is a lot of people, they see it as that, you know, we're quick to even say it here, you know, gladiator, you know, come say stuff. And we put the Hollywood shit on it. But the truth is, it really is a chess game. Yeah, it is. You know, and uh, some of the best uh, fighters are, are, um, uh, Tacticians and uh, very um, smart individuals, very intelligent individuals. Fight, fight IQ is is the most. Um, Explain that. I've heard this this a, a few times. What's that? What's what's that? What is fight that? IQ? Is the ability? Um, it's many things, but just a quick um, odd view. It is um, the ability to to adapt to your opponent and, and what choices you make to adapt. What choices you make to find out how your strengths can get quickly to his weaknesses. So, you know, um, so that's, that's what our fighter IQ is. So one of the best, um, one of the best of them was George St. Pierre. That's why he was a uh, welterweight champion for so long. When he, yeah, he could adapt, um, you know, he was so good at getting his takedowns in the act of someone else uh, striking. So, and he didn't wrestle in uh, anywhere. You know, he didn't wrestle in high school, college, but he was so good at adapting his strengths to his opponent's weaknesses. And um, yeah, man. So some people like you know, like Nick Diaz, he has all the time in the world, but his fight IQ was just like suspect, man, because you know he he's like a black belt in jiu-jitsu. He's a, a world-class grappler, you know, and then he chooses to strike with everybody, you know. He had, he never tried to take people down. He never, um, 
He lets himself get taken out easily, and he, he you know, his IQ is now, real suspect. Now you see why I like McPhee? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You take me down easy. All right, because yeah. I'm going to stand, and I, if I ever do anything, I'm going to stand up, but I, I, you know, guys like you, are not a fucking chance. But, uh, no, I, I get that. So a fight IQ, who's, who do you think has the highest fight IQ right now? Right now, let's see. Um, or up there. Don't have to be the highest. Well, I mean, that was a statement to say, so. I mean, the best, um, you know, like, like my, my favorite tactician, um, Demetri Johnson, the best, and then John Jones, man. The reason why he, John Jones' fight IQ was so, um, good is because he knows the tools he has, which is his reach and his athleticism, he uses it, man. He doesn't let anybody get inside on him. He uses that reach, long range punches, long range kicks. Um, he uses leverage in his arms to take people down. If they get inside, his throws are, are massive, so. You know, his 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 uh fight IQ is um top of the line right now. You think he'll come back, man? Yeah, he'll come back, but that's tough, man. He it, it you know, you go from zero to one hundred real quick, man, and you just on top of the world and you know, he was just um he was a junior college uh you know, champion that that got in UFC and then boom, you know. A couple years later he's champ and he's unbeatable. He's one of the best fighters to uh, exist and he just it happens so fast, man. And uh who knows everybody has an exit, man. You know, everybody has that that um what's the word I'm looking for? That uh you know, that outlet that they need to kinda whether it's drug <laughs> No, I have no idea what you mean. <laughs> hey, whether it's marijuana, whether it's alcohol, whether it's sex, violence or um coke in his instance. My my outlet, I would have to say, is we all got it. This podcast, and I'm I'm addicted. You know what I mean? That's I'm what's up, man. It's awesome. That's a good. That's a good. Uh, that's a good exit to have, man. I like how you say that, though, man. We all gotta have an exit. Yeah. What are we exiting from? Man. Reality is it? Are we exiting? From, are are we? Are we? Are we exiting? Uh, or is the exit reality? Could be, man. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, we all have it. We all want it. Yeah, it's how it's how we manage it. It's how we manage it that uh that that keeps us in that thin line between between the two. So it's how we uh, how we manage it. I mean, I have a lot of exits. You know, I don't I don't truly want to talk about, but um. <laughs> well, I, but the way you phrased it, man. I mean, yeah. that shit that shit was poetic, man. I could I could hear the smooth in you. Okay. You know, yeah. I mean that. When you start, I mean, the exit, you know, we all hear it. It's our vice. It's our let go. You know, yeah. they all have negative connotations. They do. But when you say exit, for me, when I'm traveling, I can't wait to get to my fucking exit. Yeah. You know, so for me, when you say exit, okay. that's, like a, that's positive for me. Yeah. You know? And, you know, society has such a way to frame things, don't yeah. they? You know, as, as, it's your vice, it's your anchor, it's your old self, you know, whatever the fuck they say. Yeah. You know, and, but the people saying that are the ones that have it the worst, and they're, you know, they're trying to mask to other people. So, you know, they're hypocrites to themselves most of the time. Just like, I ain't gonna get too into it, but, uh. Why not? I mean, just like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm friends with a lot of, uh, devout Christians and you know they always um judge and, and stuff like that um stuff I do but they're the ones that came from a, a worse uh background than me or um have made poor decisions than me so could, could religion be an exit 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Who knows, man? I love shooting the shit with you, man. Yeah. Nah, I mean, yeah, the legs exit too. Uh, but we do. We, I mean, dude, you're fucking me up with that now, man. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna rant on this for a while about this exit. I mean, you can have a whole session on that alone. We should, we are. Yeah. You have somewhere to be? <laughs> you have a whole session on that alone, but, um, but yeah, every, um, drugs is just one part of it. You know? So. I, I would agree. And, you, and that's, and that's, that's your realm, so. You know. Yeah. Not by using, by helping. Let's <laughs> <laughs> be clear. Let's be clear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but <laughs> I could help John right, right, right. I would tell you this. Yeah, I right. promise you I could help John Jones. So, and, and here's why I say it, man. There's a thing that, I'm, it's another book I'm going to write one day, all right? Exactly. I promise you I'm going to write it one day. I'm too busy writing albums right now. But, well, another one. But there's a thing that I've been referencing or referring to called athlete depression. Okay. Yeah. And athlete's depression, I believe in my in my own thought, is something unto itself. There is depression. I like you said. I, I've had the academia. I know the study, the variations of depression, of where it's major depressive disorder versus adjustment disorder, depression, etc. Yeah. But I believe that there's something that exists called athlete's depression, and it's okay. unique and unto itself, and it's linked to a more serious thing that they classify more serious disorder. Um, called, uh, like, a identity disorder, identity adjustment disorder. Mm-hmm. So, like you, uh, I was bred to be an athlete since I could talk, yeah. right? And so since I could move, it was up at 5 a.m. and I was 12, you know, two miles and work out, right? So we're bred this way. Now, what happens is the value of who we are yeah. is then based on our performance alone. So we begin to no longer hold a personal value if we don't perform well, mm-hmm. right? So we link our performance directly to personal value. Yeah. But not only do we do this, but we're taught this from a, a, an age. We're even done that with report cards, right? Where, yeah. the, where the parents tell you, oh, you're so much better than this. Hold on, wait. So the kid automatically directs performance to value, mm-hmm. right? So rather than going, your effort in this was poor. Your value was good. But you and I, as, as being trained from birth, you know, for me, it was only NFL. That was it. Yeah. There was nothing else in life. Yeah. You know, that's all there was supposed to be. Yeah. So what we do is then we identify ourselves with our performance. This is why our performance has such an impact on our mood, right, and our outlook on the future. So then when that is swiped from us, injury, ability, time, mm-hmm. maybe you just got shitty, right? Yeah. And when that's wiped from us, well, we They've taken our identity. That's who we are, is what we like to say. Mm-hmm. We define ourselves by the athlete, the fighter, the player, the podcaster, right? We, we put these labels, right? But man, when you're so little like we were, yeah. and so impressionable, our label is the fighter, is the, the athlete, if you will. Mm-hmm. But when life happens, an athlete is ripped from you, my friend, our world is ripped from us. Yeah. And as an ex-athlete, I can speak to this. A depression unknown like any other sets in. And we lose who the fuck we are. Literally. Mm-hmm. Because if you can imagine, you were, every that a boy, every that a girl, came from your performance. Every, what the fuck, came from your performance. These experiences define us. Mm-hmm. And so when we can no longer perform, yeah. we have no value. 
So without performance, there is no value. Yeah. And so we seek things out to perform well at. So ex-athletes fight. Right. 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 How many ex-athletes walk in your gym? A lot. You I mean, see? That's, 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 that's me. Right. Ex-fighters will also, they drink, it's drugs, it's harder things because there's no identity there. Mm-hmm. This, this is such, and it links, I call it athlete depression. So how, how you related to, uh, John Jones saying who was, he was the best fighter in the world and on, on top of the world. So why did he, I mean, take that route? It's called sabotage and environmental comfortability. See, an environment he may come from may have been chaotic or not. Mm-hmm. But we like to then build our environment around us to where we're comfortable, right? We we build what are called coping skills yeah. to survive certain environments, right? Yeah. So they could be traumatic or they could be hood. They could be whatever environment you're in. Those skills apply to that environment, right? They work for you. Like in a fight. You know, I'm fighting this guy. These skills work for me. Yeah. Now, as we leave that environment and our identity changes, we still have these coping skills. So when we apply these coping skills in our new identity, world champion, yeah. those exits don't work anymore. So what do we do? We have to push the exits farther. Because they worked here, damn it. <laughs> we believe our coping skills to be truth because we experienced it, and it worked at the toughest time in our life. Yeah. But we're not in that environment anymore. So rather than change our coping skills, or loose term, mm-hmm. We change the environment around us to fit the skills we have. So we sabotage our own environment so the skills that we need to cope then apply. True. You follow? Yeah. Right? And so it, it links from this identity disorder. And for John, I, I one could label what he experienced as traumatic to a point. Mm-hmm. Right? I, even though I don't believe in traumatic events. Don't get me started. Okay. Right? As compared to what? Life is traumatic. So what's the fuck? Right? Right. But his change is so drastic. Yeah. It goes from being not so important. Any like the middle brother or younger brother or two bad big motherfuckers. Yeah. Both play NFL, yeah. Right. So he's Mm -hmm. kind of a lost identity. Mm -hmm. So he goes from a hmm, guy to a world fucking champion, the baddest motherfucker on the planet. Yeah. Unstoppable. Untouchable. So I have to push my exit even harder. I gotta snort a little more. I gotta <laughs> drive a little faster. Because I'm the world champ, I have to take my coping skills and put them on steroids. Because my original ones aren't working for this environment, but it's the only skills I know to cope. So as the change happens, I take the old coping skills and I shoot them full of steroids and I drive 120 instead of 80 when it was in a 45 like I used to. Yeah. I run three lines instead of take a key bump like I used to. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's what happens. And so then you rip this from John. Mm-hmm. The man now all of a sudden is left back with what's my identity. Only because his irrational concrete belief from the beginning that was bred in him as a child that the value of John lies in his performance. So when John is performed at the top of the world and he has it all, he has performed the best you can, and still he doesn't feel personal value. This is why he takes the risk. Because no matter, he's listened to everything everyone's told him, and he's made it there, the highest and the fastest in anybody. Right. And he still doesn't feel it, feel it in his heart. He doesn't feel the value 
So I risk myself to devalue myself mm-hmm. because I should feel great, right? Because I have all this. Yeah. So what do we say when we hear about him? Looking it up. Look at him. This guy fame to his head. No. Yeah. The performance didn't fulfill him like he thought it would and like they told him it would when he was four. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. That's what happens when we chase value based on how we perform rather than value in who the fuck we are as human beings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's for a cognitive fucking rampage. That's the pure definition of it. Whoa! Holy <laughs> shit! All right, man. Dude, I'm sorry. I don't want to cut it there, man. Like, what? Anything to add to that, man? Oh, man, that's... That's Holy that battle. That's that, that's that demons, man, that we battle, man. That's, that's, that's a hell of a way to put it, but... That's the true definition of cognitive rampage, man. I love you, man. <laughs> I love the fuck out of you, Julian. Yeah, man. Hey, we'll kick it again and get into more detail, man. You know, no, we're gonna. Oh, we're gonna. Because, yeah. you know, whatever the cognitive rampage and we can do to make sure somebody out there, <clears throat> Nick Diaz, fights <laughs> my man. And I'm a huge Nick Diaz fan. That would be the, yeah. I mean, I'm a nobody on the national scene, man. You know, I'm just a local. Uh, guy, but you're you know, a local dude that an entire city of Orlando loves. Yeah. So listen, the city of Orlando is no small town. No. And so you know, one member when Dana was like, "We're not bringing the UFC to Orlando." Remember all that shit? Yeah. And talk some shit or whatever. I mean, he he can do whatever he wants. He's a bad motherfucker. I don't. My big up to that dude. I mean, that entrepreneur guy. I don't care how he may act. He makes bad decisions. We all do. But from an entrepreneurial standpoint and a go get a motherfucker, my hat's off. You know, sure. so he could go the fuck he wants to, as far as I'm concerned. But, you know, I, I, Orlando's behind you. So, yeah. you know, we, I know a shitload of people that love you and want to see you get that shot that you deserve. Yeah. Nah, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed, man, that I have a lot of people in Orlando that, that support me and, uh, you know, a lot of fans, uh, here and, you know, I get my name out there in Orlando pretty good, so, but, yeah, the New Year's fight, that would be like a perfect fight for me. I would agree. <laughs> it would be hard for me uh, to watch a guy I love like Nate Diaz get a fucking ass kicked. <laughs> it would be hard to watch that. It really would. But don't kick my ass, Nick, all right? And I carry a weapon. Just for guys like you. <laughs> Not you, Nick, but I'm pointing at you. <laughs> I don't fuck with you guys. But no, seriously. Um, I, I can't uh, share this with you. Now, you also train. Yeah, uh, you train people. You you're also a trainer. Where uh, where can people come find you and train with you, or where are you fighting out of? Give me the whole. Uh, give me, you know what? Give me the banner that fighters are no longer out, no longer allowed to use it <laughs> yeah. because of the Reebok deal that fucked them over. Yeah, I don't, yeah, that that deal is crazy. I don't even want to get into that, man. We'll say that for the, the time. Yeah, give me the banner behind you. You know where you're coming out of. Give me. Where I'm coming out of um, SWAT Orlando, um, SWAT Winter Garden, um. You know, do personal training. You can reach me, uh, you know, hit my email up, jwill1224 at gmail.com. You know, I do, uh, I teach all aspects of strike MMA and all aspects of grappling, not just presenting jitsu. Well, and, um, I'm gonna, I'm sorry, I'm cutting in for your advertising, bro. Let me yeah. promote you. <laughs> he trained my daughter. Oh, and, yeah. uh, my daughter's now the captain of her volleyball team. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Daughter's a hard worker, man. Came in there first day, gave it all, man. 
Yeah, cool, man. But thank you, I should say. So please, take your child. Look, if you want the edge up, I'm going to give you up. You find Julia Williams to train because I had an epiphany that as my daughter is a volleyball player, that striking a volleyball was similar to striking a person. (laughs) (laughs) I put that together. So I said, you know what? It's the best I know. And I call you, man, and you showed her some love, man. So thank you for, you know, giving her some skills to, to make this, the, the captain of what she's doing. And, and you sent her out to Pepperdine camp when you yeah. went out to Cali. Yeah, she performed well. Thank you. Yeah. Hope I, I get her back in the off-season, man, so we get her ready for uh, college, man. You're going to see her twice as much as you yeah. saw in the off-season, my friend. You're good. So they can, what's your email again if they can find you? jwill1224 at gmail.com. You got a website? So my website, it's in the works, man. No, it's not. It's done. <laughs> Can we do his website? Possibly. We're going to finish the website. And you're training out of, it's, it's SWAT, and then it's so long. It's just, yeah, extreme SWAT, when it's gone, you can look it up, you know. I do there, and then uh, I'm also, feel, uh, you know, I train with, uh, you know, American Top Team Orlando, so. Oh, where are they at? They got a school uh, here in, um, Right, right around here in Waterford Lakes, Orlando, uh, under Jason Patino, head coach, and uh, also in um, uh, Golden Rod Colonial um, under uh, head coach uh, Paul Riguez. So. Paul Riguez from Jiu-Jitsu out there. That's where you said you had a black belt? Yep, I got my black belt under him. So. And out here at American Top Team at Waterford Lakes under? Under Jason Patino. Jason Patino. Yep. All right, man. I, I love that. Did anybody want to give a shout-out to your Twitter account, Facebook, anything? Yeah, I can't stand to it. I don't have a Twitter account, but... Uh, Facebook, yeah, man. I got a yeah, Facebook, and uh, you know, shout out to my boy, um, you know, uh, Jeff, who uh, we we partnered up and run the business together, man, and uh, that's my right hand man right there. And uh, he's coming on the show. Yeah, we'll get him, man. And then uh, shout out to my 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 wife, man, Andrea, who holds me down, puts up with my bullshit, trains with me on the mat, you know, every day. She is a bad, bad woman. Yeah. It's so cool to sit with my, to fight, to spar with my daughter like that and go, you know, and really teach her like that. And yeah. Go I thought that was so cool of her. Yeah, she's mad chill, man. She trains too, right? Yeah, she just trains, man, for fun, man. Just stay in shape. Just, you know, she's a main drilling partner of mine. Helps me, uh, learn new techniques. Takes me through the road we drill together and stuff like that. So it's cool, man. Yeah. That's awesome, man. I think that's cool. Yeah. Really supporting you in what you do, man. Yeah. That's what it's all about, man. Hey, and, uh, I'm gonna give a shout out to them boys. I'm, West Orange County, West Orange Warriors, my friends, my listeners. <laughs> I am have to, man. I love it, man. You're one of us. Shout, shout out to Juan, man. Juan Hernandez, who lets me beat the show uh, every time we spar, man. <laughs> no, yo, we actually sparred this morning, 6 a.m. this morning, man. And I, every time I spar, I don't know why. I love the guy, but I just want to beat the show. And, you know, I just, I was... We we fighting and he um somehow he came to the ground he was on the ground just soccer kick the fuck out of his uh his stomach and his face man and he takes uh, like like straight just takes it doesn't doesn't it's amazing so shout out to Juan for taking all those ass whoopings time and time again <laughs> you know the funny part no, you know he was in my wedding man I mean yeah we, we, I know main guy yeah we tight uh well our other main guy. Greg Harris is coming down. Yeah, okay. And Greg Harris is on his way down, and he's going to be here next week. And Greg Harris and Juan Hernandez are coming on the podcast next week, Friday. Together? Yeah. All right, that's what's up. Now, you're going to hear some fucking stories. 
Right. Now, I was number 52, mm-hmm. Juan was 72, Greg was 92. It was like that, us three. That's and good. so Juan's going to get a chance to talk shit back to you. You know he's going to. It's okay. <laughs> I love it. He's going to listen to this podcast and be like, he's going to yell at the car. You know him. He's going to be in the car going, like, you're doing it right now. Listen to this, aren't you, Juan? <laughs> going like, motherfucker, I'll wait till I train again. No. You know he always tries to steal my dog. Yeah. He always tries to, I know, he tries to steal my dog. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't say it, he puts Roxy in the car. Yeah. That's fucked up. He's out, that's his exit, man. <laughs> Stealing dogs. From his, from his fucking, uh, girl or something, I don't know. <laughs> oh, man. No, he loves his girl. She's a cool lady, man. I can't believe she actually got with him. Yeah, I can't believe he got with him. Yeah, he's got a baby coming now. There's, there's a mini macho coming. No, I love that guy, dude. Oh, too many shout-outs, man. We could sit and talk all night. I swear to God I would. Yeah, but, hey, man, I thank you for coming on. Um, I can't wait to keep talking to you the rest of this year. Who knows? Yeah, we'll get on again, man, and get more in-depth about everything, man. So. Oh, I love it, man. Hey, guys, out there in Orlando, you guys listening, I don't know, send an email to the UFC or something. I don't know. Help us out. Um, if anybody deserves a shot, a guy that goes over to Russia for his first fight to fight in the goddamn Kumite, um, I, I, I think is worthy of a shot and especially sitting at eight and one, whether it's sanctioned or unsanctioned, you have six, one, six and one sanctioned, whatever. Who gives a shit? Uh, I think he's worth a shot at something, but, uh, uh, thanks for coming on, brother. I love you, man. No problem, man. Thanks, bro. Hey, I want you to check out uh, another podcast that I listen to uh, with two friends of mine. Uh, that's my buddy Chris Fisher and his friend Jesse Cage in the FNK podcast. You can catch them at um, fisherandcage.com, but uh, look them up on iTunes. They're a great podcast. I love listening to the fellas each week, but that's the F&K podcast. <laughs>